You're listening to Arts Talk Radio, and I'm Michael Hasted. We bring you interviews as well as news relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, which are either in English or where language is no problem. We concentrate on events in Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and the surrounding areas. Arts Talk Radio Online. Features on the arts in English. This week we're coming from the CC Amstel Theatre in Amsterdam, where the Queen's English Theatre Company is presenting their new production of the hit musical Cabaret. I hope to be talking to director Mark Winstanley later. But first we meet worldwide best-selling author Nikki French. We met up recently after a busy book signing event in Holland, and it might surprise you to know that there is more to Nikki French than you might think. Now, in spite of your longevity, because you've been writing books now for... 20 years or more, or more yes. I think there are probably still people who don't know that Nikki French is in fact two people. That's true. Uh, it's true. It's true. And one of them is uh, Nikki Gerard. Hello. And the other is Sean French. Hello. And you're the sort of um, Lennon McCartney of, of, of <laughs> so modern who, fiction. So yeah, I would say that's quite a good image because I think the point, you know, the, the point I'm a bit of a Beatles obsessive. So there are about two people who, alone, they would have, you know, they would, would have been diminished and there's something about when they got together they achieved something they would never have done on their own and the, I think, you know, we've been doing it for a long time what's so strange to us but also satisfying is I think writing as this strange joint author, person, Nicky French I think it does allow us to write in a way that's separate from our, our own identity Because it's quite, quite normal for, for songwriters to uh, write in pairs and it's very uh, common usually even for uh, comedy writers to write in pairs but for fiction it's not so common Do you know of any others? We know, we know of other people who write together I don't think that we know of anyone who writes, who, who has no kind of boundaries between them, who write into a single voice, um, which is what we try and do. You know, so it's not that Sean writes the bits that are kind of male and I write the bits that are female or that we kind of share out research. We do everything together. And then when we write, we're trying to write into this third voice that we've created between us, the voice of Nicky French. So what, what actually is the process? Do you actually sit down together at the computer and work it no, out? No, never. So, so and in that way, we're very different from songwriters or kind of comedy writers. So what we do is we spend weeks and months working out what the why you know what the heart of the book is what the plot of the book is what the characters are just the whole when we, and when we've when we've planned out the book and we know we've got the same book in each other's head um then we start writing and we never write together it simply wouldn't work so one of us and we don't decide in advance one of us will write say the first chapter and then they will email it to the other who is free to add to it, to edit it, to correct it, to erase it, to kind of make it more Nicky French, as it were, and then they will write, say, the next chapter. So we pass the book between us like that. And is, does it always join up properly? Do you remember there used to be, years ago, there used to be these twins in America, primitive painters, and they used to paint horses, and one used to paint the front end, and the other used to paint the back end, and they always used to join up. Does yours always join up? Well, the point, the whole, th the whole thing about it, about our collaboration, is, for a start, we, 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 we get the eye, all the ideas we get them together and we do the research together so and we start writing when we're really sure that we, we ha as Nikki said that we have the same book in our heads you know that, that, we, that we, and and 
and then uh, again uh, we're constantly I think for a start we both write you know Nikki and I when we write on our own have separate styles but when we write together we write as this other we suddenly become this other writer and then also we're constantly editing each other and we're discussing it all the way through and then and then when we're finished each of us goes through and changes it so uh, it it really does it's like the stew we create you know and 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 also we're both writing in that voice so I think there there aren't there aren't joins there it's a bit like as if we cooked some huge casserole and at the end together and someone said you know did you cook that carrot you know but it's by that time it's all just it it always it always works you never have problems (laughs) well so does it always work you know of course it doesn't always work and which is why we edit each other and change each other and and then when we go through the editing again we re-edit each other and ourselves so but I think what does work is that mysterious thing of writing in a different voice so when Sean was saying we write as Nikki French it's absolutely true and it's not it's quite kind of uncanny to us because it's not that I sit down and think okay now I've got to kind of put myself into the kind of Nicky French voice but it's what has happened over the years of writing together we have made this kind of third imagination if you want the imagination that we kind of created between the two of us Um, and then when we're writing we're both writing for ourselves but to each other as well was it a, an, an arbitrary decision to create Nicky French, or did it was it sort of an accident where you it was your work merged? When we first met, we were both writers and journalists, and everything we read we passed to each other, and everything we wrote we were each other's first reader, and we had a conversation about how was it possible for two people to create a single voice? You know, the kind of voice that some novels you feel speaking to you, so that relationship between the reader and the writer. Would it be possible? And we said that one day, when we had more time, when our children were older, when we were less chaotic, we would try that as a kind of experiment. And then very quickly we came across the idea that became our first novel, The Memory Game, about the controversy over recovered or false memory. And we read about it and we thought that is such a good new idea for a kind of thriller that if we don't do it now, someone else will do it. So it was like a kind of rocket for us, that kind of sense that it was an idea waiting to be seized. But we didn't do it thinking we're going to write and call ourselves Nikki French and be published and write 22 more books under the name of Nikki French. It wasn't a career plan. It was more like a a kind of adventure that we were having, a kind of mad adventure because we had tiny children and no time and we lived in kind of, you know, we were anxious about money and we were kind of in some kind of you know, mayhem our life. But it was just something that we did together just to see if we could do it together. And you haven't looked back since. <laughs> we <laughs> we looked back lots of times. <laughs> you know, it's, people think, oh, we must be this mature couple and it's all easy. I mean, writing fiction is re- is hard and writing together is, is, is much harder and more messy because it's, a, you know, because it's, you know... For a start, it just takes twice as long, I think. Really. Not, it doesn't take twice, but it's certainly we're not, it's not quicker. You know. And possibly more difficult because you're married. It's like sort of yeah. teaching your wife to drive, I think. <laughs> well, well, Dickie, what would you say? Is it like teaching my wife to drive? <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> this is not... <laughs> no, I, I was talking in the cliché sense of it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, do you know, I, I mean, we know of other couples who've tried it and just it's absolutely failed after ten minutes because you have a row. You know, a row. And what... And the absolute heart of us doing it is a real trust. So if Nikki changes what I've done, it's not because there's a power struggle over the book. It's not that she has her own view of the book and she's just 
what willy-nilly going to make the book be like that. We ha- I have a trust that we, she has a sense of what does the book need, and it's and, and you know and it's all about trying to to make the get get the best Nicky French book we can. And without that trust, we'd have just failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, even so, there are still sticky moments. There's one thing that which has struck me because I I think I've read most of your books, and I certainly remember when you first um, published your book. And it struck me as a bit strange that um, it, they haven't been exploited so much on television. And you've got Anne Cleave and Peter Robinson with DCI Banks and Vera Stanhope and Jimmy yeah, Perez. Yes, and it, it, it's well, this, well, so there, there, there have been, like, I think there have been three TV versions. But they I'm haven't had the film. longevity of no. Vera. But they haven't, or, no. So the, the, well, the series the that we yeah. did, so we, we only did standalones up until... We started the Free to Climb yeah. series. So with the Free to Climb series, I mean, that has been bought and script is being written. And so who knows, maybe maybe it will become a series. I mean, it would be lovely if it became a really good gripping series. On the other hand, you just, you know, we're in a lucky enough position to just mm. be writing for our living and... Has that progressed at all, the, the Vera, the Vera Klein, um, The Free to Climb. Yeah. So we've, writ- we've written eight... Right. Uh, it was always as an I mean, you know, the one thing I don't, if you've had any dealings with the film world, books are being always being optioned, you know, and it's very easy to option a book. And you know, so so our, as soon as we wrote the free, first free decline book, it was optioned, and ever since there've been scripts written and, it, and sort of you know, and it's almost been done. But it's, it's all a matter, you know, it's it, it's completely unpredictable. So we'd be very happy if a good version of it was made, but we're not sitting here holding our breath waiting for it. But to it, it, I think I, it strikes me as strange that it's not. Yes, well, well. I, <laughs> I, yes, you know, we we thought we thought it would be good, but us, us sitting thinking about it doesn't make it happen. <laughs> and in a way, also. We could, you know, if we we could have devoted much more energy if we wanted to, you know, going around banging on doors, getting it made. But what we, what you know, what we've, you know, we've we've already had other of our books adapted for TV, and that's fine, and we enjoy it when it happens. But what we do, you know, we our our passion is writing the books. You know, that's you know, that's a, that's where you know that's the form that we. You know, I, we both, we love films. Love, you know, there's great TV out. But you know, it'd be wonderful. But what we're good at is, what we're good at, what we devote our energy to is 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 writing books, and that really does fill great enough of our of our time. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. That was Nicky French in the person of Nicky Gerard and Sean French. Um, thank you very much for talking to Arts Talk. It was a pleasure. Great pleasure. Thank you for having us. Arts Talk Radio Online. Features on the arts in English. We are in Amsterdam at the CC Amstel Theatre to see Cabaret by the Queen's English Theatre Company and I've arranged to meet the director, if I can find him. I'm with Mark Winstanley, who is the director of Cabaret. Now, this is a... As usual, not your usual production. So, what's what's how's this done? Um, well, we haven't done a lot of musicals. It's it's, it's true, um, but this is a musical that I've been wanting to to direct for over forty years. Uh, I saw it when I was only sixteen, and it made a really. Oh, that must be twenty years ago. Yeah, thank you. That's very kind of you. But it, it is uh, it is indeed more than forty years ago, and um, I wasn't in it. I just operated the follow spot. But it really moved me, and it really helped me understand what the 
Second World War had been about on a more personal level. It, it personalised the story of the Second World War and the discrimination against the Jews. And it, I, I, it just really stuck with me. And I loved musicals anyway, but then because of that, I really thought, you know... Um, this is a musical I've got to do, and it's taken me this time to get the amount of time to get the rights mm. to be able to do it because it's hard. It's hard to get the rights to do. I Cameron. can imagine, especially because it's not in London at the moment. And it's a big, big hit in London, so we're very lucky. But I mean, it's not just a musical, is it? I mean, it's gone through several incarnations. It, it has, and this is a new incarnation of it as well, which won't surprise you, knowing that we always try to give a new twist on everything that we do at QETC. Um, but, but I think I think yours is sort of broader and bigger and camper. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that, but what I wanted to do was I always felt that the character of Cliff, who's based on Chris Fisherwood, is somewhat sidelined. And, of course, what happened in the 1960s, they could not have an openly homosexual leading man. It was shocking enough that they had a leading woman who had an abortion. So the character got very, very pared down and made into a one-dimensional character and I always thought that was wrong and we needed to put back certain elements of that character for him to be a fully fleshed person and I I felt it's his story, let's tell it as his story and not just the story of Sally and the MC, even though they're very glitzy, exciting characters Are you using the the actual book from the the musical? No, the book, the book Word for word Pretty, pretty much. I mean, we've maybe trimmed a little bit here and there just for pace. Um, uh, but no, uh, it, it, it's, it's pretty much verbatim of the, of the scripts. Uh, what I would say is that, uh, as always, I give people more the visuals. So, so if some things are referred to, I then think, yeah, well, how do, we, how do we see that happen? You can then create a moment where that actually happens. And that we have done. But it is, it is camp. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose, well, you know, it's a journey cabaret because we know where it's heading. So there's only a certain amount of camper can be in it for a certain amount of time. And, and but, then the, it, but the costumes are quite camp and elaborate. Um, and... The costumes are a kind of mixture of being revealing. It is a Kit Kat club after all. It is a sexy, you know, kind of uh, club where people pick up, pick up one another. Telephones on the table was the original idea and that, that we've kept. But um, I would say what we have tried tried to do is uh, recreate the fact that the, the boys that Chris Bushwood went and fell in love with were working class boys. So our Kit Kat boys are not so glam and not so camp. They're more working class, I would say. But there, as you say, there is a, a serious message behind all this. Oh my God, it's a very, very serious musical. And it, as, as musicals go, it's probably one of the first, if not the first musical with a very, very serious message. And to that extent, it was probably very hard to get it produced because in 66, we were still coming out of you know the Rodgers and Hammerstein world of musical comedy and a ballet after the interval and all sorts of, you know, hard and fast rules. Um, And, yeah, it was very much a groundbreaking musical, and it still is. It doesn't uh, wane, in my opinion. It's never gone away. It never goes away. It will, in my opinion, always be revived and it will always remain an important musical. Not least because it's got some fantastic songs, you know, like Cabaret and and Money and Vilcommon and Tomorrow Belongs to Me and Perfectly Marvellous and, yeah, go on and on and on. It's just a great, great score and, and very funny lyrics. OK, Mark Winsani, thanks very much. Now, your your current run at the CCM store is sold out. But it you're, is. You're coming back in uh, we're December. Com- we're coming back in December and then we're back from the 14th until the 18th of December. We've got another seven shows. Those are going to be sold out, so get your tickets quick for them. And I'm pretty sure we'll come back next year. That was Mark Winstanley of QETC, and their production of Cabaret will be back at the CC Amstel in mid-December. Arts Talk Radio Online. Features on the arts in English.
Well, that's all from this edition of Arts Talk Radio. And to play us out, here's a song from Canadian singer-songwriter and performance artist Ronnie Tapper. We first met her a couple of years back in The Hague during her European tour. This is a song called Big Black Clouds. So until the next time, it's goodbye. My name is Michael Hasted. Bye. Bring a bright